Kia and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today we're talking putting your best foot forward. Chambers! Hi, I'm back. <laughs> You're back. Welcome back. God, it seems like so long since we actually spoke. It has been. You've been away for a wee while. I know, yes. And through the powers of magic that we have here on the podcast we actually recorded those episodes before I went away (laughs) so it actually has and I've been away for three weeks so um yeah it does feel like we've missed each other for a long time but how are things going in Cairns oh it's been great thank you I feel very settled now now I've found somewhere to live and I know what I'm doing and but Cairns in itself there's a whole buzz around the tourism rejuvenation and the excitement around international travelers coming back and we are starting to see a few obviously at the moment we've got school holidays so it's busy anyway yes which is great Yes, I forgot about school holidays and Mm -hmm. obviously I've had three weeks in Brisbane or southeast Queensland. I had a week on the Sunshine Coast as well and I caught up with some friends on Friday night and they were all excited because one of their daughters had her school formal on the Saturday night. So she was out getting spray tans and all the sorts of things that you do to get ready for your school formal and yeah, and at that point I realised that that was the start of the school holidays. They're a little bit earlier than ours. They are. They're about a week ahead of New Zealand school holidays. Mm. And at the moment, I believe it's just Queensland. And then we've got New South Wales and Victoria starting next week. So, yeah. 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 It's not, I quite like the way they stagger them over there because you get, I guess, the opportunity if you are in tourism to lengthen your holidays. Whereas here in New Zealand, we get two weeks and that's it. It's very busy for those two weeks. And then that's, it drops off again, particularly for this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's really good. And it's great for them traveling as well, because it just gives the ability to travel in slightly cheaper times than the really expensive school holidays. Because it flattens out those peaks a little bit, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how was your trip? What did you notice while you were over in Australia compared to New Zealand? Oh, look, it's really interesting, because obviously you've been filling us in on how things are in Cairns. And I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but Mm -hmm. my main purpose for going was to catch up with my family and friends over there. So that was the the main purpose of my visit. But really interesting to see just how much everybody has moved on from COVID. And that's not to say that it's over. We know that it's not. And they're still getting, I think, while I was there, it was eight, nine thousand cases a day in Queensland. But there's no masks which I have to say for my first few days I was freaking out just a little bit (laughs) Um, the airports are still ghost towns relatively speaking so when I left Auckland I think there was only one other flight leaving so I was happy that the Koru Lounge had reopened I know you missed out on that pleasure when you flew over but (laughs) I was able to have my breakfast in the Koru Lounge so that was great Brisbane I missed the Koru Lounge reopening by two days that actually opens today as we're dropping this episode and they only had one cafe open upstairs and downstairs so still pretty quiet Mm. but in terms of 
the planes, both planes were full. I flew to Brisbane on a 787 and I was expecting that I might get an empty seat beside me, but no mm -hmm. such luck. We were all <laughs> um, yeah, completely full. And then when I flew home on Monday night, I was on an A321 and again, it was completely full. So people are definitely traveling. It's hard yeah. to know what percentage of them are Kiwis who've gone across to Australia either for a holiday or to catch up with friends and family or the Kiwis based in Australia coming to New coming Zealand back. obviously I can't talk to everybody on the plane but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so but it was interesting I was surprised to see the planes so full and the week that I had on the Sunshine Coast there were lots of no vacancy signs out and it wasn't school holidays then so yeah really interested to see that I did see an article in the paper on the weekend saying that bookings were up on pre-COVID levels and particularly yep. I think Cairns might have been in the top five and Sunshine yeah, Coast and Gold Coast so yeah there were three spots in Queensland in that that top five or top ten um, list that they did so great to see people are traveling obviously the population's a lot bigger in Australia so you get a lot of there are a lot of Victorians on the Sunshine Coast yep, um, yeah 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 we so love the Victorians there. we love them <laughs> yes yeah exactly I know I was chatting to somebody over there and I said well they've been locked up longer than anybody else so I guess they are making the most of their freedom now to get out and about and explore the country which is great mm -hmm. um but yeah, what else did I notice? The pre-departure testing over here, I had to go to Rotorua and it cost me $250 in Brisbane. Yeah. I did it at the airport and it cost me $79 and my results were back within 60 minutes. So pretty incredible. And not only that, Chambers, when I went, because I actually went the day before I flew out in Brisbane to have my test because I just thought the stress of trying to do it on the morning would be too much. They have two labs at the Brisbane airport, both <laughs> doing rapid testing. And there were about 10 people in the queue in front of me and I was in and out within, well, put it this way, I was in and out quick enough to only pay the minimum $10 for parking. Oh, wow. Wow. So Amazing. that's the first 30 minutes. So, yeah, really, really efficient. Um, when I got back to New Zealand on Monday night, we got our rats, got given three rapid antigen tests to do. And yeah. this morning, it was quite funny. I was about to do it this morning and I, I was thinking on the instructions, it says you need to do this test and then lodge it via the link that's sent to you by the Ministry of Health. And I thought, oh, but I haven't had a link sent to me from the Ministry of Health. And as I said that, I opened up my email and sure enough, there was an email from the Ministry of Health. So kudos to them. <laughs> it actually, the system worked. <laughs> yeah, perfect. But you can see how deterring these tests are. If it's, it's all well and good. You're going home and you're set, or if you were visiting friends and family, it's all, you'd be comfortable with the fact that you're probably going to be staying in a home with them. So if you have three tests to do and anything happened, then you're just going to have to isolate. But it's a really prominent conversation that they're having over here. And I think mm. you probably would have picked up on it on the news as well, that they a lot of the health ministers aren't changing the rules yet. But there's definitely consideration on when to move forward with relaxing those testing rules because they will be putting people off from coming out from overseas as yeah. leisure tourists anyway well, as of the 17th of april you don't need a negative test to go to australia 
I know, which is great. So that's that's a big thing. Like for me, that $250 that I now, and okay, I did choose a rapid results test. So it did cost me a little bit more, but it was $50 more than the normal. It was still $200 for a PCR test. Mm. And yes, I could have done a supervised rat, but for me, I wanted, because I'm going home to, to my mum and dad, I wanted that peace of mind and certainty, I guess, around a certainty or more certainty that you get over a PCR. But yeah, to know that I could rock up to the airport and have my results within 60 minutes is pretty remarkable. And I think I I think they must be doing something in Auckland. I couldn't find anything in Auckland Airport, but for tip for people flying out, there was a lady in the queue in front of me going into the Air New Zealand Premium check-in. And she had had her supervised rat done the day before, but mm-hmm. it was 10 minutes before her 24-hour window of her flight departure and they wouldn't let her go in and board. And that's not Air New Zealand making that call. That's the Australian government making that call. And she was not a happy lady. In fact, she turned around, I think, to try and get support from the rest of us in the in the queue. And the rest of us were like, well, if you're not within the 24 hours, tough, <laughs> go back. Yeah, so, but I did the- see her later in the lounge. So there must have been somewhere at the airport doing it because I don't, they definitely weren't going to let her in with the way that she'd had it. So yeah, if, you, if you're doing that, make sure the 20 or 48 hour window is from your departure time yeah not just the day before because you know yeah, correct i end up in the same situation yeah so yeah it is worth making a mental note of that one yeah. while those rules. but like you said 17th of april that's gone and that's really where those questions are going around well if you've got people coming through that aren't testing why have we got isolation rules in place because mm. They won't know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to isolate. So, because they don't know, because they haven't been yeah. tested. Yeah. Yeah. So. It opens up a big can of worms, doesn't it? And that, respect, yeah, it really does. Because, yeah, really does. like, yeah. So we'll see. I think there's a lot of pressure on the health ministers to make the decision to just move forward and change it and do what the UK's done. But I understand there's still, you know, there's lots of children getting it at the moment. There's, you know, mm. the vaccination rates in children aren't high, aren't really as high as they'd like them to be. So yeah, it just it's nerve wracking. The only thing that's nerve wracking is will they go the other way and retract back into right? We're shutting the Queensland border down until we get this maintained, but. You just don't know. But I, I feel like most of the ministers just want to move forward and push forward with it. So mm. they're kind of riding the wave. But yes. Yeah. Yes. Until there's another variant. And oh, God, they're talking about another couple of different variants. I think there was one in China that is a variant of Omicron. And there's another XE variant that's been discovered in London, which is 10 percent more contagious. And I was like, no, we can't do this. But. Hopefully that won't come to anything or hopefully, yeah. I think the thing is, is like when this all started, what COVID was doing, what COVID-19 was doing to populations around the world was actually killing a significant amount of people and hospitalizing a significant amount of people. And we've definitely seen those hospitalization numbers drop, the ICU Mm. numbers drop and the deaths, although we still have some, which is tragic, they have seemed to steadied out. So whether we'll go, the world be ready to go back into a full lockdown, it would have to be really similar to what it was like, I think, back in March 2020, when yeah. 
it was death after death after death, which was horrific. We were yeah. seeing huge mass graves. And that's the yeah. thing that would cause the world to go back into a lockdown. But while there's variants, they are daunting in terms of will the rules change? But I know that the UK have just said, nah, it's not going to change unless it got yeah. back to that situation. So yeah. hopefully it's we'll all get It's too hard, that. isn't it? It's too hard to plan and it's too hard for people to get excited about what they're going to do in the future, particularly for our industry, if there's yeah. this uncertainty hanging over them. Yeah, I have to say, though, selfishly, the change has been great for me personally. It's it was it. Everyone's done it really hard. Everyone's done it really hard in New Zealand. And I've definitely heard that sentiment over here in Australia. It's been a really tough two years, although I do fly the flag going, yeah, Australia, you have had it tough. But my God, New Zealand's had it tougher in many ways with five million people and four million of those being locked down. It's been tough. But nonetheless, the change has been great. It's just that whole, sometimes that saying with a change is as good as a rest, mm-hmm. you know, um, just there's a lot of um, energy and excitement and I'm in a warm, brand new environment with lots of adventure. I'm planning international travel, which I haven't been able to do for over a year. So it's absolutely awesome. I'm really looking forward to going to the States in the middle of the year and the UK at the end of the year with Tourism Australia. And yeah, and then I'll probably be coming over to New Zealand as a visitor, which is going to be Yay. very exciting. <laughs> oh, that'll be strange, won't it? Welcoming you back be. here as a visitor. <laughs> I know, in 18 years, I know, coming back, touching down and being like, right, who am I staying with? Who do I need to see? Yeah, yeah. God, you'll have to do a, a big full-on round the round the country tour to catch up with everyone yeah absolutely absolutely but it is very exciting and yeah we're starting to see working holiday visa visa people coming back into the bigger cities yeah I was going to ask about that because obviously next week we see the start of Australians being able to come to New Zealand and working holiday visas are on that um, same date so that's the 13th of April or 11.59 on the 12th Um, (laughs) but I was wondering if you had started seeing them because last time we spoke they hadn't started filtering through I know that Tourism New Zealand have got some big campaigns about to hit the international markets targeting those working holiday visas and I was just catching up with a couple of RTOs who are a part of that story and we were kind of having a bit of a laugh just going doesn't matter what season doesn't matter how long just tell them to come and there's work here (laughs) yeah they can work as long as they want so yeah so that's good to know that they're starting to to come through to cans yep they are they're just then um slowly getting here but yep they are we're seeing them like i said into the cities moving out into the regions and of course there's been that big change and it's now we've got the challenge of of you know educating the operators that the working holiday visa rules have changed here in Mm. Australia they don't Mm -hmm. just have they don't have to do just three months and move on in fact they can do the four two years now and if they wanted to do a third year that too and they don't have to do their agricultural experience either to top up their visa so some operators maybe tourism operators understand that but maybe hospitality operators Mm -hmm. don't because yep. there was a lot, having been here for the last six weeks, there's a lot of people saying, oh, by the time you've trained them, they've got to move on. So yeah. Wait. But that's all changed. So yeah. um, That's a asked, great move, yeah. Yeah, I've been asked to do a wee bit of an update in the Tropical Tourism North Queensland email to let operators know, don't forget, you can employ working holiday visa yeah. for a year, two years, three years, if you make a good enough impression on them. 
Perfect. That sounds mm. great. Hey, look, now we should get into today's episode. We are yes. doing another Ask Destinate. And we did say in the intro, it was about putting your best foot forward because this week, we have Trends Connect happening over here. So it pretty much is just like trends, but it's online. So instead of being there in person, we have no parties, no drinks, there's no social networking. And of course, there's no sore feet that inevitably happen because you've bought new shoes for the week. Yeah. <laughs> or is that just what? me? Is that you too? Trends. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, usually with you, it's your high heels that you wear. But anyway, so yeah, it's all online. So we thought it would be a great idea to cover off how how to put your best foot forward online. Our working with trade episode has been shared with everybody that is attending trends as a bit of a plug for learning best practice of working with trade which we're absolutely thrilled about. Mm -hmm. Our two inbound operator episodes have gone off like they're the biggest episodes we've ever done so we might get those people because those those guests were clearly very popular yeah. <laughs> so maybe we need to get them back more more frequently but yeah we just thought it'd be a nice nice way for us to talk about putting your best foot forward now look we know that the last two years we've been doing everything online and mm -hmm. doing webinars and meetings online isn't a new thing it's been a big thing a lot of you are, as listeners are going to be very familiar with zoom and probably completely over it and i know there's a lot just waiting for the shift out of red light, the traffic red light to start hosting more in-person events and workshops but i guess it is easy over time to fall into the trap of being a bit too casual about how you yes. do your online meetings. So we just wanted to give you a bit of a refresher on making the most of your opportunities. Absolutely. Awesome. So, yeah. So now these tips can apply just as much to a group audience as they can to a one-on-one -on -one presentation. So hopefully you'll all find something a little useful in this episode. Now, We've put our heads together and come up with what we're calling the four E's of webinar preparation. So that's energy, experience, engagement, and expectations. So mm -hmm. let's start with energy. So look, these sessions for Trends Connect, and we are going to focus a little bit on Trends Connect, and we know that when you're listening to this, you will have just done your second 5am start. So even though we haven't had any evening functions, 5am can be a bit of a tough time to start for a lot of people. Likewise, mm -hmm. both evenings we finish at 11 o'clock. So it's really important to keep your energy up. Mm -hmm. Your audience is going to respond to your energy and passion for your product, and they're going to be more likely to engage with you as a result. So how can you expect someone to get excited about your product if you're not? Quite. So, yeah. So get up and walk around for a bit before your appointments. Have a coffee, but don't overdo it. No <laughs> and be yourself. You may have a presentation that you've written a script for, but it's going to be far more enjoyable for your audience if you speak in your own words and act naturally. Yes, bullet points are fine if you're a bit nervous. That's a great tip, Michelle, and very true too. So the next one up is experience. 
there are a couple of elements to this as it's about sharing your experience as much as it's about creating an experience for the audience itself. So how is the best way to do this? Well, sharing your experience is really talking about real life stories, antidotes from your business, your life and your feedback from customers. So whether it's Trends Connect or another webinar you're speaking on, you're their subject matter expert. So try and share some of what you know with the audience. If they, the audience, can imagine themselves having an experience at your business, they are much more likely to ask questions, take notes, and want to follow up. Don't just tell them what's on your website or in your product manual. Actually find those little key things that they may not know about and discuss them with them. Maybe you've got something new because this is your opportunity to shine as they are your key contact for your business. And the audience experience is also really important. So creating compelling stories and make sure you test your mic and camera multiple times to ensure it's working. And do a practice run with colleagues or a friend so you're familiar with how to share your screen, whether the music works, et cetera, et cetera. This is really important. You think it might not be, but it's so embarrassing if you haven't quite nailed it when you're on that 15 minute window of an, ex of an appointment. Think about the language you use when you're speaking and take into account that you're actually talking to a global audience. So as an example, it's not morning everywhere in the world and maybe trying to avoid colloquialisms unless you absolutely know your audience will understand them. And one other tip, try to talk slowly. So they do. <laughs> yes. I'm <laughs> a terror for racing through. Same, Chambers. I remember when we first started this podcast, my mum listened in because, you know, your first listener <laughs> is generally always your mum. And she said, Oh, you speak so fast. <laughs> you do. You do. So, yes, we do have to remind ourselves of that. But I'm just going to tell you a fun, well, it's not a funny little story because <laughs> we talk about testing, and here I am saying test. I logged into one of my first Trends Connect appointments yesterday morning. I had tested the system the night before. Everything was working. Everything was going. Logged in. And could I get my camera to work? Oh, no. Fortunately, I could share the slides. But the person that I met has no idea what I look like. So I actually said that I would follow up with a picture of me. Oh, nice. <laughs> so she knows who I am but it's but anyway, true it does happen and even it testing does happen. doesn't mean yeah. you totally nail it but that's exactly right minimalize it right yeah yeah exactly right and have a plan b at least I had slides it would have been disastrous had I have not had slides to share because she literally would have been looking at a black screen hmm. so yes anyway on to our third e and that is engagement so the best webinars that I've attended over the past two years are the ones that actively encourage engagement from the audience <laughs> one caveat for this for me though if you are hosting a webinar and you're asking participants to have their cameras on I think it's a really good idea to let them know in advance because I have joined a few what I thought were webinars now generally I think of a webinar as one of the ones where you can see the people but they can't see you yeah and when I've logged in it's actually been a zoom meeting Oh, and everybody 
has been expected to have their camera on. Now, if you're hosting something and it turns out that it's 4 a.m. in New Zealand, like this particular one was, <laughs> I'm not really ready to turn my camera on at that hour of the morning. Right. Me <laughs> because I wasn't expecting to. I thought it was going to be something that I could just kind of have while I was still lying in bed with my headphones on and listen through to it. So, yeah little top tip if you're going to do that so obviously that's a given for trends connect we know that these are interactive sessions it's one-on-one -on -one. it's all about finding your common ground on how you can work together mm -hmm. but yeah so that that tips more about if you're hosting a large group or you, you're organizing a webinar now if you're sharing a presentation keep time available at the end for a q a because people Very want to ask point. questions and it's there's nothing worse than you've finished your spiel and when you start to talk time's up they've got to move on to the next one so make sure you've practiced it and you've rehearsed it and you know that you've left some time in there either for a chat or some questions or follow up and just getting to know each other a little bit better and in your presentations use rich media such as images and video to tell your story because as yeah. they say an image paints a thousand words mm -hmm. and I think I read a stat that a one minute video is equivalent to 1.8 million words when you're looking at representing your business so yeah pictures Perfect. pictures and videos are great brand your slides Absolutely. show off your logo make sure it's there on every page help build that brand recognition with your appointments remember they're seeing a lot of people over the course of the day so you need to make your product as memorable as possible and have your logo there so when they see it on your follow-up they know who you are and they'll be reminded of you in a good way yes absolutely there's a little other e in there it's essential isn't it keep it to the essential items on your slides yes Don't overdo it and yeah and your logo is essential so absolutely Perfect. So our fourth and final E in this chat, though, is expectations. And it's really important to understand your audience expectations, what they're looking for and what do they really want to know about you. But it's also important that you know your expectations, know who you're meeting with and what you're wanting to get out of the meeting. We've covered this off in our previous episodes about trade. So it's good for reading through the bios of each of your appointments before they start. Do they work in the sector that you work in? Do they match what they, you match with them? There's no point going to speak about your product in a luxury sector if you're not luxury, unless you have a luxury product to talk about specifically with them. Mm. So I guess that wraps up our four E's really, Michelle, doesn't it? We've developed for this particular show, putting your best foot forward. We hope we, we hope you find it useful. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think you almost added a fifth one in there by saying essential. So we could have the five E's of <laughs> putting your best foot forward online. But of course, there's a couple of other tips that I would add in there as well. And they don't start with E. So um, let's just throw them out there. The first one is arrive on time and start your sessions on time. As Absolutely. well as 
at the end, make sure you follow up. So these are opportunities to send. And whether you're doing a training webinar and you just want to follow up and give them the key pointers, have some material ready to go, just so it reinforces what you've talked to them about. Or if you're doing a sales call, obviously there's there should always be some follow up after a sales call um, to make sure you do that as well. Absolutely. And look, we've got so many systems out there that can help and support you with this. So many different CRM systems in many different ways that um, support on every kind of level of package. And it's really worth investing in one of those CRMs because mm. you can put all those details in there of who you've been to see or who you've seen with their contacts and what follow-up you have or intend to do. That, you know, make life easy for yourself. Go and find a platform that will support you so that you can do exactly that. You'd be amazed at the statistics of how many people don't actually follow up mm. after a sales call. Yep. It's ridiculous. So what yep. was the point of doing it? Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure your boss wouldn't like to hear that either if you're one of those people. I'm sure our listeners aren't, but it is. There's <laughs> no point traveling around the world, jumping on an email, on a webinar, doing all of this work if you're not actually going to sign them up and take their money at the end yeah, of it. That's what absolutely. All this is about. So, yeah. And of course, one last thing relax. It's really yeah. easy to be nervous when you're hosting your first webinar or meeting people for the first time online. So be prepared with what you want to say, and that will help you stay cool, calm and collected. Absolutely. And it sounds like we've got a few more people joining our tourism industry that haven't been part of it before. So we really hope you find these tips helpful and useful. And remember, if there's people that you know within the industry that have been here for a while, feel free to reach out to them and ask them about how to do this kind of thing if you've never done it before. Us in the industry love to support others. So yeah, yeah. reach out. And we love to chat too. So yes. Or you can just refer them back to um, any of our podcast episodes and listen to those. <laughs> hey, but I, I remembered one more thing, Chambers, that we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah. And this is quite important. And we've all seen examples of this through COVID. But if you are working from home, check out what's in your background oh bed, yes very pick good up the clothes off the floor add a background image blur your background and don't forget to close your door absolutely absolutely <laughs> I know there's been some hilarious interruptions of live interviews over the last two years and you don't really want to be the next one to go viral. So that no. is our final tip for you on putting your best foot forward online. We hope you've enjoyed it. Welcome into any new listeners who have joined us over the past couple of weeks with our Working With Trade episodes and our Inbound Operator series, which has gone nuts. So <laughs> thank you for joining us again. We really appreciate you all stopping by every week to listen to us we are here every Wednesday and don't forget follow us on Instagram Facebook LinkedIn or just subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and if you want to leave us a rating make it five star yeah <laughs> that would be great yeah, <laughs> that would be. Okay, well, Chambers, we better get going. We have another Cracker episode lined up next Wednesday, another international guest to chat to. So don't forget to mark your diaries for next Wednesday morning and we will chat to you all then. Yeah, speak to you all then. Talk to you. Talk to you.